Hello everyone, this is Keenan Jerome Floyd, and I'm here with another episode of Dangerously Awkward. I would like to, first of all, thank all 30 people that have subscribed and supported my podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, I hope that our audience grows. For those of you that are listening to this podcast for the first time, essentially what it's about is, since I am a former Jehovah's Witness, which means I'm currently not one now, um, I am living in Los Angeles trying to make it in show business as a comedian and writer slash producer. And there's a lot of things that I see um, in politics, uh, in show business, in the world that I like commenting on from that vantage point. Because the Jehovah's Witness child grew up with very different morals, very different uh, ways of viewing things. And it affects you into your adulthood. I was a Jehovah's Witness for more than 30 years. So you can imagine uh, how, you know, I'm still I'm still getting used to a lot of things. I've been out since 2014. Um, now it's going on five years. And I'm still learning things every day. So I pick a subject and I talk about my experiences in the religion versus my experiences now outside of the religion. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about dating. That's right, dating and sex and all that good stuff. So go ahead and sit back and relax and welcome to this episode of Dangerously Awkward. going everybody i hope everyone had a happy new year i hope your 2019 is starting off with a bang i wish you uh positive energy and blessings throughout the year um mine was okay my new year's was okay i spent it i spent it hanging out at a friend's house and watched the ball drop on tv um i would I was in New York City for two years, and I worked every single New Year's Eve uh, in Times Square. That is crazy. I don't know why people want to stand out in the cold. I remember one year it was like negative two degrees, and people really wanted to stand outside to watch the ball drop. It's not what it's cracked up to be. It was. It's not really that exciting. The ball comes down. Confetti goes everywhere, and then people leave, and someone has to clean it up. That's essentially what New Year's has been for me for the last two years. So this year, I took it easy uh, because L.A. really doesn't have any of that type of stuff going on. So I was able to just sit on the couch with my legs up, eat some good food, and play beer pong. That is the American way to celebrate New Year's. Even though everyone that was there was Mexican. So that was dope. It was cultural. It was a nice cultural experience. Watching New Year's Eve, playing beer pong, and eating frijoles and tacos. Um, have anyone ever thought about... Uh, has anyone ever tried to get in contact with a jerk from your past? I actually did. Uh, when I was uh, a missionary in the Dominican Republic, there was this guy from Fresno, California, who came down, and he made my life a living hell. Like, he always, uh, he was always sticking his nose in my business, 
always coming over to my house, always making fun of me, always saying dumb stuff to me all the time. He treated his wife like crap. And I wanted to talk about him in this episode. So I was looking him up on the internet. I said, let me find this guy. Uh, let me let me find this guy. I looked him up on LinkedIn. I couldn't see him. I was like, oh, no, I can't. Okay, he's not here. Let me look look for him on Facebook. I'm going to send him a, a, a angry missile. I'm going to send him a message, mess his life up. I'm going to really bother him. I'm on Facebook. He's not on Facebook either. So I Googled his name, and you know what I found out? He's dead. Died 42 years old of a massive heart attack. Now, when you find out that someone you hate uh, died, it's it's a very... It's it's a it's mixed feelings. It's, it's it almost seems like a conflict of interest. I mean, I don't I don't want anyone to die. I feel bad for his wife. I feel bad for people in his life. I feel bad uh, that I'm talking about him like this. But other than that, you know, it is what it is. People die every day, B. A great man named Biggie Small said that. So, yeah, I don't know. Hold your family and friends close. Hold your enemies closer, I guess. Um, all right, so let's get to getting. Uh, today, I want to talk about dating. D-A-T-I-N-G. Dating. Um, dating people. Getting to know people. Having sex with people. Very interesting to date while you're a Jehovah's Witness. While you're a Jehovah's Witness, it's a big deal when you start dating somebody. Uh, I can only speak for, uh, from a man's point of view. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've heard experiences and what it's like for women in the Jehovah's Witness organization. First of all, the ratio to women of women to men in the Jehovah's Witness religion is five to one. There's more women than there are men. And the rule, the unspoken rule in a Jehovah's Witness religion is that you have to marry somebody that's associated with the religion, right? You can do whatever you want, technically, but to be able to, uh, to be able to take advantage of all the privileges and bells and whistles and good favor of people that, ser that are a part of the church, you have to marry somebody that's a part of the religion, meaning they're baptized and they're active in all the religious activities, right? So <laughs> the standards for a good marriage mate in a Jehovah's Witness is actually pretty low. Because, because all it is is you look at what they're doing for the church. And you don't have to be that smart to do things for the church. So I'll give you an example. Uh, every, th this is how, this is how, you know, we're, we're taught to select a marriage mate in a Jehovah's Witness church. Now, twice every year, there are large gatherings called assemblies or conventions. Either it's split up by a circuit, which means co different congregations in a, in, uh, a few mile radius, make up a circuit, they get together, they have an assembly, right? Then there's a convention called the district convention, which is 
different circuits come together to make a district and then they have a large district convention correct right all right so they have at these conventions they have what they call dramas which are staged plays right they're plays that people participate in and the big hunt shows up top they send out cds and tapes so that the actors on stage lip sync um the dialogue so that they make sure that their message doesn't get convoluted right so one year they had a drama called what is true love right and and the drama starts off you have four people you have two sisters and two brothers so you have two women and two men right um the two women uh they're both gorgeous pretty sisters right and one is more of like a plain jane um but she you know she's still very pretty and and the other one is more of a is more of a woman that's more into her looks you know she looks a little bit better she wears higher heels or whatever right now the two men there's one that's a good looking man right he's a good looking man with nice hair you know distinct uh uh, <laughs> uh a, a distinct uh jawline uh you know he has muscles he has all that stuff he's a looker right he's not baptized the other brother, the other guy, is a dork. He is a bona fide nerd. He wears suspenders. He wears glasses. He wears a bow tie. His his um posture isn't all that, but he is very spiritual. He spends more time on spiritual things than he does on his looks, right? So that, therefore, signifies that he's the better of the two, right? So the play starts, and the two women, they, they go after the good-looking guy, right? So the plain Jane sister, she finds out that the good-looking guy's not that spiritual, so she ends up breaking up with them. The prettier sister ends up marrying the guy, right? Then the plain Jane sister gets with the dork. They get married. They end up ha having a ha happier relationship, right? Because they live a nice, simple life. You know, they're dedicating time to the church. They're spending a lot of time out in the ministry, evangelizing, giving out pamphlets. But on the other hand, the good-looking couple, they have more money. The, the good-looking guy owns a restaurant. But he's spending so much time at work that he's neglecting his wife and his responsibilities in the congregation. And then they get into a big fight, and they're on the verge of divorce. So at the end, the plain Jane couple, they end up... Uh, going to, I think it's the couple school or whatever, and they uh, they get an assignment to serve in some foreign country somewhere, and the good-looking rich couple decide to work on their marriage and their spirituality. So what's the lesson of the story? Pick someone that appears to be doing what's right in the church. That's basically what that's basically what it means. That's it. That's all it means. That's that's uh, the, the the standards are not that high for brothers for men in a Jehovah's Witness religion. Um, the Jehovah's Witness religion is very misogynistic. Um, they use scriptures to to basically say that the men are the head of the household. They make all the decisions. They're the ones that get to teach in the church. And then you have the wives that support them, right? So what ends up happening is when in that mind, you say, okay, I need, uh, when a woman's like, I need to pick a good brother or whatever, it's usually, look, 
there's beautiful women. Have, like, have you ever seen a couple and you're just like, man, why is she with him? Or like, does he have a lot of money? What, like, what is he? There's a lot of brothers. <laughs> there's a lot of men that are with gorgeous women. And it's because it's under the illusion that they're going somewhere in life. It makes dating very, very, very hard. I began dating. I was, how old was I? I was 19 or 20. I was, how old was I? I was 20, I think. I was 20. I was living in the Dominican Republic. And the thing about the Dominican Republic is there's plenty, there's a lot of beautiful women in general. And in the religion, since it's five sisters to one brother, it was always a lot of sisters looking for potential brothers, right? Looking, always looking, right? And the two qualities that sisters looked for was a brother that pioneered, a brother that went to ministerial training school, which was a, which was a, uh, like a evangelical school for brothers. And if you were an elder, you took the cake, right? So mainly I <laughs> strive to go to MTS, ministerial training school and become an elder because I wanted to get women. If that, if I did all of that, then I could pick and choose from any sister that I wanted to, right? So Prior to all that, you know, I went out with a, I went out with a sister that I thought was attractive. We ended up breaking up. Then I ended up going to MTS and then I graduated from MTS and all of a sudden I was getting the attention of a lot of sisters. Right. And, and I'm not saying it's to blow my own horn. I'm just saying that this is the mindset that people, that people have, you know, they say, oh, well, if he does this and he does that, then he's a good brother. Right. Oh, and I also served in Bethel. I was also at Bethel, which is basically a place where you go uh, to work for free. That's where they um, produce pamphlets and stuff that you get at your uh, that you get on your doorstep Saturday mornings, right? So, so I was a, I was a former Bethelite. I was uh, a MTS graduate, and I eventually became an elder. But, um, you know, I was, I was pretty popular. I was pretty popular. So my issue really was that I was more into the physical attributes of women than I should have been, which means if I thought they were cute, I tried to get to know them. Right. But, but what happens is when you try to get to know somebody, see, because you can't just really hang out. That's the issue. You can't really just hang out to get to know somebody because when you say, hey, I would like to hang out with you, want to go get a cup of coffee, want to go see a movie, it was automatically, oh my goodness, we're going to get married. I don't know if I want to dedicate this amount of time to this person, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I, there was, there was this girl from California that was in the Dominican Republic. I thought she was really cute. I thought she was very cute. Um, she had a nice butt. And we, uh, we went and saw the Avengers. See, I can see, I can actually match all the girls I dated based on the movies that were out that year, because I will always take women to the movies. The first girl I went out with before I went to MTS, I took her to see Indiana Jones four, 
which was a bad choice, and The Dark Knight. So we went out in 2008. The next girl after that I wanted to date, we went out in 2012 because we went to see The Avengers. Anyway, so that didn't move as fast as I wanted it to move. And when I talked to people about her, they were like, man, are you sure you want to go out with her? She's kind of dumb. So then people's people's thoughts, people's uh, opinions started getting in my in my in my head. You know, people were like, man, she's kind of dumb. She's kind of flighty. I don't know if, why you want to go out with her because she's hot, bro. I'll work. I'll work on all that other stuff later. So that didn't work out. Then I ended up uh, I ended up dating a sister from the Dominican Republic. She was cool uh, for a bit. And then we became engaged, right? And the thing about dating, when we became engaged, it was a lot of pressure. Because the thing about dating, as a Jehovah's Witness, is it's not, you, you also have to make sure that you're a good example while you're dating. So you always have to have a chaperone. It doesn't matter how old you are. How young you are, you could be 95 years old and dating somebody. You still have to have another person there um, to to make sure you don't allow your uncontrollable sexual appetite get the best of you and you end up going somewhere and doing something you ain't supposed to because God forbid. So, uh, so it's very like repressed, right? Very repressed type of circumstance so we had so it was had a chaperone and and it was just i had a lot of problems being a single person to begin with because nobody trusted me because they all thought either i was trying to i was i was messing around or or they thought that i was um i was flirting with other girls i was trying to get with worldly girls uh, they thought i was trying to um they thought i was trying to Every time I would talk to like somebody's wife, I would and I would say hello. They would be watching me because you know a single man uh, in a repressed sexual situation cannot control himself. So it was just really annoying. It was annoying. It was it was a lot of pressure for no reason, right? So we got engaged. Everybody has their eyeballs on us. Um, everybody's asking us when we're going to get married. Every, all of our friends checking me out. All her, all her, all her family's checking me out. You know, all, all the elders, all everyone in my congregation checking me out. And then what I find out is I find out that there's people, there's sisters in my congregation are, that are jealous that, I, that I'm with this other sister, right? So then that becomes a thing. Ah. <sighs> There was this one girl in my in the congregation I was serving in that was a, a 14 year old girl, right? Now this is a messed up part. <laughs> I okay, so I broke up. Okay, let me let me go back a little bit. After I felt all that pressure from everyone else. I ended up breaking off the engagement because in the back of my mind, I knew that I wasn't going to stick around in the religion. And when you're married and when you have a couple of kids and then, you know, and then you're steeped in that 
in that lifestyle as a Jehovah's Witness, and then you decide to leave, that was heavy, would be heavy. Like, if you thought now was bad, just the dating process, if you thought that was that was horrible, oh, just wait until you decide to leave the religion. That family's going to implode. So I said, I'll just break a heart now versus in the future because it's going to be worse, right? So that's that's the secret that I kept to myself. I already felt like it was going to work out, but we ended up breaking up. Um, that became a huge thing. And then once people heard I was single, then they started. There's only, it's five sisters to one brother in this religion. It's five women to one man. I mean, it is what it is. So there was this um, family in my congregation. That there was a 14, 50, I think she was 15 at the time. Um, the... <laughs> The, this is the, and this is a real messed up story. The elders of my congregation, including this brother that I mentioned on the outset, the one that just passed away, he was involved in this. And this is the reason why I dislike him. They made up a lie that she was interested in me. And I said, I'm not interested in children. I'm not interested in 14, 15 year old children. I'm twin. I'm 24. This is gross. So I told him straight out. I said, I don't want anything to do with any of this. I don't want anything. To, if anyone thinks I'm interested and even if anyone has any inkling or an idea, I don't want to be involved in this at all. That's not who I am. That's not the person I am. I want, I want this to end now. Right? So that's what the elders told me. Now this is the, including this guy that I, that I spoke about earlier. That's what they told me. So then they said, oh, well, what you should do is you should write a letter to her stating this. So thinking that they had my best interest in heart because they were shepherds of the congregation, I did. And that was a big mistake. It caused, caused rifts in the congregation. It caused rifts between me and, and other people. It made me look bad. And they just laughed at me. They just made it all up. They made it all up and they just laughed at me because I was gullible. I was gullible. I listened to them and they made my life a living hell. So after that, I didn't date. I didn't date anybody. Up until up until I found found uh, a girl that I messed with and then I eventually got this fellowship from the from the religion. But as far as like dating within the religion, it's not very fun. It's not very fun. Um, I, I, I think, I think to some people it's a game, um, uh, especially when you're trying to, when you're trying to take it seriously, but it wasn't, it just wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. So now, uh, what can I say about dating now? Well, dating is, is a little bit easier, but not by much. Um, I'm not having any problems dating. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying myself. Um, I met, uh, uh, quite a few nice ladies over the years. Um, but it's interesting to see, to interact with different people and realize what their tastes are, uh, especially, oh, uh, look, first of all, first of all. I'm a well-spoken 
black man. I'm quite, I'm kind of dorky. I'm kind of nerdy. So the women I find are of a very specific taste, right? Like, like they have to like me. Like, it doesn't matter if I like them. They have, they have to like me. And that's one of the, the first things that I learned when I tried to date. I have to, you know, it's whatever low standard there was in the Jehovah's Witnesses, that ain't happening out here. Like, you got to have something to bring to the table. You can't just wear a suit and tie. You got to have some other shit going on in your life. I um I lived in um I lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I I like I like women of color, but but for the women for for the women that were in my in that town, I was too they said I talked too white, which I think I don't know, whatever. Um so I never really was able to It took me a while. It took me a while to get used to it cuz I wasn't going to change myself. I wasn't going to get any tattoos or gold uh, grills on my teeth or pierced my ears or any of that shit. So, um, that was that. And then, and then in New York, it was like that in New York a little bit. Um, mostly the women that I, that I connect with more now are mostly professional women. Um, and I've met them either... Through friends, at parties, or on dating apps. Now, this dating app stuff is a whole different ballpark that I don't understand. Because it seems like people are more, are more apt to date uh, people, to, to date total strangers that they meet on an app than a person that they meet at a bar. I don't know what happened. There's a lot of crazy dudes out there and crazy women out there, too. I get it, but I, I don't know. It's it's been easier for me to go out with people that I've met. It's I don't know. Like like I'm still I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure out the 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 one thing about it is that makes it easier is there's not a lot of pressure, which I like. There's not a lot of pressure on 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 me or my reputation or anything like that in trying to in trying to um prove myself to somebody else which is nice because now you can take your time there's no pressure there's no um there's there's nothing on the table uh that that makes it unenjoyable unless you know you're in a relationship with someone that wants to rush for any reason you can choose to back out of it and hope she's not crazy and she's going to kill you so I think I'm enjoy I'm enjoying myself now. I'm enjoying myself a lot more now. Um, doing comedy and being involved in film and stuff, you're able to you're able to meet people because women love to laugh. So that's the perks of doing comedy. Um, being creative is also nice too. Um, I'm actually on plenty of fish right now. I have one line. That I say <laughs> to to every single woman, but don't tell them that. Um. So yeah, that's basically it. I mean, that's that's basically you know, I I if whoever's out there that's looking for that special somebody, happy hunting. 
Um, I wish you the best. I know I'm having fun. Um, you know, when 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 you don't when you don't when you don't have a lot of pressure, it, it gives you a chance to enjoy life. So that's one of the things that I am enjoying right now. Um, out here doing my thing. So that's basically what I wanted to say about uh, that's yeah, that's what I wanted to say about dating. I mean, I hope it was exciting. Maybe it wasn't, but you know, I finally got it out there. Um. So what else did I want to mention? Oh, yes. Um, as of this taping, um, there's, I, I wanted this, this is something totally different than what I was mentioning, than what I was talking about. But I wanted to bring up, uh, in Houston, Texas this past week, the night before um, New Year's Eve, I believe, there was actually a, uh, there was a tragic shooting that happened at Walmart where a seven-year-old girl named Jasmine Bar Barnes was shot and killed. And, um, there's actually a GoFundMe, uh, right now for, you know, to support her funeral arrangements and all that stuff. And, um, if you're interested in donating, uh, you can go to GoFundMe.com, Justice for My Daughter Jasmine. It's GoFundMe.com slash Justice for My Daughter Jasmine. The goal was 6500 They've actually exceeded that, um, with 44605 Um... It's still open if you want to uh, financially support the campaign, but um, you can also share it on your Facebook, share it on Twitter. There's a lot of things that we need to that we need to discuss. This this world is crazy. I don't know what would justify a person to kill a seven year old girl. But that's the type of world we live in. So get the word out there. Um, they're still, I believe they're still looking for the gunman. So if you're in a Houston area um, and you know anything, please go ahead and contact the Houston Police Department. Um, what else should I mention? If you want to keep, in, keep up with things that are going on with me um, in the Dangerously Awkward Podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at... Uh, Dangerously Awkward, any upcoming shows or anything, you can check me out on www.keenanjeromefloyd.com. And for any of my listeners that are in San Francisco, I actually have a show at uh, Copyright and Trademark on January 18th. The Dangerously Awkward show is coming to San Francisco January 18th at Copyright and Trademark. I think that's what it is. Copyright? No, wait, hold on. Maybe that's trademark and copyright. Yeah, trademark and copyright January 18th. It's on um, Folsom Street in San Francisco. I'm going to have the information on my website. But uh, yeah, the Dangerously Awkward uh, stand-up comedy show is coming to trademark and copyright January 18th. So uh, thank you so much for listening in to my podcast. And uh, everyone have a good week. And I will talk to you later. Goodbye.